welcome to another episode of Meet Our Community, the Hispanic business community here in Orange County. Powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and Orange County's only community radio station with the only host in town who knows everybody, John Gutierrez. That's right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our community podcast show powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Senior Vice President John Gutierrez, and with us today we have another special guest, Mr. Edwin Rivera Cortez, who is, of course, the Chief Development and Communication Officer at Latino Health Access, which it's a great organization. It has expanded medical eligibility for the community, free health and wellness programs for the community, benefits of promotores, or community health workers for businesses. We're gonna talk about all these great services, everything they're doing in the community. Welcome, Mr. Edwin Rivera Cortez. Thank you, John Gutierrez. Uh, <laughs> like I'm my dad would say, here. apuntale y no le cierres. <laughs> <laughs> so Edwin, um, you know, there's a lot of great stuff going on at Latino Health Access, which we're gonna get into shortly. But as you know, and, and our viewers know, and our listeners know, we do have a lot of our youth chamber that tunes in, a lot of our members, and we like to learn a little bit about our special guest. If you don't mind sharing a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up and how you ended up in this uh, position. Yeah, definitely. That's a long story. You know, it's like it's <laughs> we'll keep it short. Long. The short summary, right? <laughs> but you know, I, John, I'm originally from Puerto Rico. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, and moved to California to. Actually, I came to visit my brother. That was the original intention, right? Hey, shout out to was, the brother. I was planning to go back and just continue school there, but that didn't happen. I transferred, finished school here in California, and then uh, started working in healthcare. You know, I, in my entire life since I was a kid, I care about community, and community is a value that I, I, I instill in everybody. You can never forget where are you from and what possibilities are there for you to impact other lives. So I do a lot of mentoring for young people, some chamber people, as well as uh, students and, and other, other, other kids or people who are growing up who really don't know where to go. I try to instill that value also in my family, right? My family and my close friends. I have two daughters. They're now in their 20s, but it's something that it's Shout really, out to the daughters. There you go. <laughs> Shout out to the families and the to community, the family, right? Yes, yes. It, it is something very important to make sure that you contribute to the community, and and I put that throughout my entire life. You know, I've worked in healthcare, um, both on the for-profit and the not-for-profit side. It's something that I always say. I never forget that. And it doesn't matter where I am. Doesn't matter that I am an entry-level person or I am a chief. I will always be part of that community, and I will always go to events and do all these things because that's how we we learn. Do you feel like you found this fire, this passion, somewhere in the roots of your family? You know, where you're from, of course, uh, Puerto Rico? Yeah, def um, definitely, definitely. That's something that has always been there. I always remember my mom and, and, and my family used to say, as bien sin mirar a quien. So, Repeat you know, that again? As el bien sin mirar a quien. Let's, so, let's translate that in English. What that, does that mean? That means like, you should not be looking at who, when you do good and waiting kudos for it. You just just do good, and that will take you everywhere. That is awesome, and you, that's resonated with you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think that that stayed in my life. You know, it's a philosophy that I follow with family, with friends, with coworkers, with my team, with everybody. It's very important. So those definite those those roots from where you're from have played a huge role in who you are today and it what has. you're doing in the community. Definitely, definitely. How did you end up at Latino Health Access? Well, I, I came to Latino Health Access about 10 years ago when I used to work for a healthcare company. Um, 
no ad intended, but intended, but it was HealthNet. <laughs> you know, yes. at that point they were uh, really engaging with community, and, and and that's how I learned about LHA, about America Bracho, and then we started sponsoring the organization. You know, providing some funding that they needed at that time, and I ended up in the board of directors. So I've been in the board. Of, I had been in the board of directors for about uh, ten, about a decade, right? And that uh, helped me really understand the mission of the organization. And about a year ago, I left uh, corporate life and decided to come to LHA and uh, help them plan their 30th anniversary gala. And I've always said, and I tell my staff, you know, I always love LHA, but I think I fell in love with LHA when I had the opportunity to work with the promotores, the opportunity to, to really see what they did firsthand. And America and I, America Bracho, the CEO, and I were joking one day, and she's like, oh, you should work for us. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if you can afford me. But you know what? On the other side, <laughs> Typic- going back. Typical corporate answer, right? I don't know if you can afford I me. I know, I know. But going back to that passion, that passion that I have for community, yes. uh, I, I, I said, you know, what is more, more important? The money that I'm going to make? Or making an impact in this community that I care mm-hmm. so much about, mm-hmm. and you know, it was a very short conversation, and we decided to. I decided to join the organization as a staff member. What so, a that, what a blessing that is for Latino Health Access to have somebody who has that fire, that drive, right, that passion. I was once on a Zoom call with some of your promotores. We were talking about, of, of course, what I do in hospice and what I do in healthcare, and they were learning more about what is hospice and all that. And I must say, a lot of them are just good people i mean they had a lot of great questions and they shared with me yeah. all they're doing i mean they're boots on the ground right yeah, they can are. you share a little bit about that whole program and what they do yeah definitely and, and, and i have a correction for you you said a lot of them are and i would say all of them are all of them exactly <laughs> you know? all yes. of them are, are great people you know that yes. the promotores model is a model that has been around for for many many years yeah. when latino health access started back in 1993 you know, we started the organization, I say we because I'm part of it, uh, we started the organization um, because some health issues. You know, there was a, an epidemic uh, and then they called into Latino Health Access to help them reach that underserved community. So uh, at that point, they were doing outreach directly in their neighborhoods and apartment complex, talking about vaccines, doing all of those things. And, and that is basically the promotores model. You know, the promotores are people that are part of the community. They go to the same grocery store, same churches. They, they share everything in the community and they become like the, the trusted advisors for that community. That's great. That's kind of like our ambassadors at the chamber. You know, we, Very we have ambassadors that are out there. They're members of ours, but they're really talking about, you know, what the chamber is, what we're doing. So it's great to have boots in the ground that are sharing the mission, right, of the organization. Definitely. I know that for me, being from Santana, born and raised, I mean, literally on Highland and Flower, right, actually not far from where your office is, I grew up in that whole area. I went to Santa High School as a freshman, then I went to Century. Um, But when, when I see your location and your office and I see the people that are all the time going there for different reasons, right, it's very it's very touching because it's it's beautiful to see that this is in our backyard, right? Yeah. That this organization is in our backyard, and and so, how many people would you say you serve uh, on a daily basis on for people that are listening for the first time? Yeah, well, it depends on the day of the week. I would say okay. Uh, there's there's uh, sometimes we we see 
over 600 people in a day and that's the on Fridays. Uh, wow. Fridays we have a food bank. A food wow. bank that came That's when there's that long line, right? <clears throat> I've correct. seen that line. It's just amazing. Yes, and and the story about food bank is really it's really interesting because we have been doing uh, you know food is part of health, right? Mm-hmm. Many people think health and they mm-hmm. just think of physical health. They don't think about everything else. Uh, yep. you know, food insecurity, uh, housing, mental mm-hmm. health, you know, all these different things come together. Of so we used to do a food bank where it was very small at a park that we also own um, also on Street in Santa Ana. And when COVID hit back in 2020, we started seeing how people will need food. You know, it was not only underserved people, but everybody needed food. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of like drive through food banks in, in everywhere, yeah. everywhere oh, yeah. in the country. Yeah. And many times we as policymakers, we forgot that there's people that don't have cars. And there are some people that were going through food banks and were turned away because they were not driving. You know, we were into, in, in that fear that we are in the middle of a pandemic, you can get infected, all of that. So there were people going hungry. So we at Latino Health Access decided to do a walkthrough food bank. Wow. And, and that served so much because it was not only giving the food, yeah. but it served as a method to educate people about what was going on. I remember that because I was actually volunteering at a food bank during the pandemic with my niece. And you're right, there was all these cars lined up, right? And um, there were people pulling up I mean, hundreds and yes. hundreds. And I remember uh, telling my wife, hey, let your mom know, because they live in Santa Ana. There's anybody in the neighborhood, tell them to come down here, right? And my wife said, oh man, my mom says it would be great for Mrs. So-and-so and her family and the kids, but she doesn't drive and she doesn't have a car. So at the end of the food bank, I said to the gentleman that was running it, I said, do you mind if I take some back to this family that lives near my mother-in-law? Yeah. And so to your point, that's so true. A lot of people don't realize that so many of them are probably like on the bus or walking, right? And and it's hard to carry food. And so that was great that you guys developed that or had that already inputted there. Yes. And, and, and you know, uh, the food bank served, not, like I said before, not only to, to give the food and provide that important part of our of our day, right? But also it served to educate people on, on the different protocols around the pandemic. You know, we're talking about, talking about a neighborhood that might not have all the resources that that you and I have, Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. might be living in an apartment with uh, three families. Mm -hmm. When when you as a a policymaker say, you know, if you get infected with COVID, make sure you isolate yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like, how can you do that if you, you, there's no way. So we started seeing a race in in COVID in Latino community. And we partnered with uh, the the policymakers, with city council, with Mm -hmm. uh, different government entities to make sure we brought that education. And because the promotores are those trusted in the community, it was a great way to to share that information and and literally save lives. Yeah, I sit on a board with the superintendent of Santa Ana School District, and I was on the meeting yesterday, and they talked about that, about how, you know, getting the information out is so hard to some of these families that don't have internet. There was a whole thing about internet, of course, um, and so that is great that as you bring people to your uh, base organization, you're able to provide that information or that update, right? Yes. These are some of the things, maybe even new viruses coming out or things like that, right? Yes, that's, that's correct. That's great that you're being able to provide that information. I've heard that in Santana, even trying to provide information to the community, people utilize like um, washer and dryer places. They use like the food trucks to post something. I mean, during the pandemic, we heard of all these things just to get yes. the communication out yeah. to your point of people that don't have access 
to you know internet or whatever it is cable tv right maybe mm-hmm. they just have basic tv so that is that is amazing now share with us also what you guys are providing there's some new programs coming out or something rolling out as far as insurances and things like that right yes you know uh, just to follow up with that with what happened during covid you know that kind of opened the eyes of, of policymakers both at local level and state and federal level of the importance of this promotor model in in for years you know organizations similar to latino health access uh, were asked by people you know everywhere in the nation you know from delaware to california how do you do it how can you build your own organization of promotores, no? And part of it is funding, right? And a lot of organizations don't have that funding. So now the state of California is allowing organizations to bill Medicaid for the work, for some of the work that promotores do. So that opens a whole bunch of different places for us that, to, to, to grow and, and, and serve the community. Part of it also is uh, not only the, the billing, but also Medicaid, Medicaid in California is not looking at citizenship anymore. And you know, when you look at viruses and pandemics, they don't look at where you came from, how much money you have, where do you work? Of no, course, yeah. they just, you just get infected. And with these changes into Medi-Cal, uh, it's, it's going to open the door to so many people to receive those services. And we are part of that. And as part of that, we're also training uh, uh, organizations on how to do this, uh, this work and we have what we call the promotor learning institute which is something that we launched about about a year ago Mm. officially in which we do a formal training in which we talk about the scope of service we talk about what to do the finances behind it supervision you know Mm. all of that to educate uh, other organizations in in this particular model that is great so it's kind of like a school within your organization yes it is it is like some workshops that we do you know the entire training lasts about a week or two Um, many times it might not be a continuous week or two we are creative and it could be a six months program depending on the organization so for people listening for the first time the promotores how many do you have now? How many do you hope to have? What's the goal? Yeah, right now we have about uh, about 70 promotores uh, in-house. And, okay. and some of them, I must say, some of them have been with us since the beginning. You know, we have some very experienced um, community health workers or promotores. And they're us. paid it? Paid people uh, yes, or volunteers? Paid? They paid. They paid. Wow. And then we, we, with that, we also train people that come and volunteer with us. And they can shadow the promotores when they do the outreach uh, directly in the communities. Wow, that is great. That is great. Now, so with this program that's coming in, it's it's like a Medi-Cal program that you're talking about? Is it through CalOptima, right? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Is that anyone that, before a Medi-Cal was only for people who were citizens, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and normally undocumented citizens will just receive emergency services. Now that is gone. Effective January 1st, anyone, uh, if you qualify Obviously, you need to qualify by income, mm-hmm. uh, so it's a, it's a means that's tested program. Then you can receive full scope medical, which means that you can receive this preventive care that will save money at the long at the long run because we can just start treating chronic diseases and all these different things before they become chronic. And that goes back to your point earlier of how because you have a food bank and because people are coming to you, you can be updating these individuals, right? that maybe wouldn't learn about this new program or these new services, that's great that you're able to provide them this information. Yes, and, and the food bank is just one example of the many things that, that we bring this information to the community. You know, every day we have 
activities. Uh, we have activities for young people, we have activities for grandparents. So we look at the entire neighborhood, the entire family, and we provide all this information, not only about programs, but also information that help them manage their, their finances, manage their, you know, the way they do shopping, what kind of uh, food do I buy? We partner with different businesses, you know, Chamber, we're grateful for the Chamber because they have opened doors for us uh, on local businesses that really want to work with us on that. Yeah, I gotta say, it's really nice to see you guys doing uh, the toy giveaway that you just did, right? There's nothing like just seeing those kids smile, right? Yes. And so we're glad that we could help out a little bit. And and uh, shout out to our friend John Amador, who I know had a friend of his who donated pallets and pallets of stuff, toys and other stuff, right? Some clothing. We're always looking for resources within our members. And this is the reason why. Yeah. You know, This is why we have a podcast. This is why we do these things, because it's important we help our members understand the organizations we partner with, and then look at how we can support or help you all out with whatever it is that you need, right? Yes, definitely. And and as a nonprofit, you can imagine how difficult it is for us to to do everything we want to do. And we not only depend on grants and, and things that we do to to raise those funds, but we also depend on, on volunteers. You know, we programs during the year, we have over 200 volunteers that give their time in the food bank, that give their time in the park that we own, uh, that help us uh, do all this different work that needs to be done in order to keep the community healthy. Share a little bit about the park, because I've been there. Yes. If you, you know, don't mind sharing a little bit about how not at all. how that not works. All, I, I, I went there once, and I thought it was really cool. You have like a center there, right? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, it's a park and a community center. It's the only park and community center in the 92701 zip code. You know, there's other parks, but mm -hmm. none of them have a community center attached to it. Mm -hmm. And this is something that, that it's another of the, of the great stories of Latino Health Access. You know, back about 12, 15 years ago, we were like, we need a park in this community. You know, you have a lot of people that have uh, chronic diseases yeah. and we're telling them to walk to exercise, to do all of this, but they don't have transportation and there's nothing local. So we did a lot of civil engagement with the local leaders and we were able to get uh, a, a lot donated by Northgate Markets. Hey, in, shout out to Northgate yeah, Markets. Yeah, we they, do a lot with them too as a chamber and yeah, they do an amazing job in the community. They are an amazing partner. Uh, yes. Uh, in how has always been part of that. So, so long story short, we got that lot. The city also helped us with another lot and we were able to build this park. And this park um, serves as a place for people to come and play with their kids. Wow. Uh, it also serves as a place for the community to come in. You know, we have a room that we can rent to the community um, for, for everything from workshops uh, on Medicare to quinceañeras, you know, we, you can do whatever. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's really interesting. I never knew it was there. And a couple of years ago, I went there to drop off some toys for our toy donation for your guys' toy drives. And I remember meeting Maria Cervantes, who's part of our chamber there. And I'm like, wow, i never seen this park. It's kind of hidden, but it's really cool how it's, I like how it's fenced off. Yes. So you maintain it really mm -hmm. nice, right? And, and, and then there's the center there. But what's really cool is it's also in that downtown, 4th Street kind of area. And there's a lot of apartments over there. Yes. So I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that benefit from those services. Yes, definitely. That the, those people there are very happy that they have that 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 park where they can take their kids, play with it. And during the week, we might have activities where we have volunteers come in and read to the kids and and, and share stories. Uh, it's very important. Uh, a couple of years ago, we actually did our annual gala there at that park. Oh, nice. And uh, so we transform it into. Uh, 
an enchanted place where uh, people came and <laughs> yeah. we had music, we had uh, entertainment, we had all these different things. Yes. So it's a very, very um, unique uh, place to go. So uh, I asked you know, the listeners who live in the area, you know, if you want to come visit us, just come and see it. They can come take a tour? Yes, definitely. Okay, there you go, guys. You know, if you want to come take a tour. I got to say a shout out to the city of Santana and its city people, right? Because it, it plays a huge um, partnership, collaboration, support, right? As nonprofits, there's so many. And so for the city to be able to help out with the center or the park or other services, I, I think that's important, right? We thank the people that are also providing that support. Definitely. You know, I always say that to serve one individual, one family, you need an ecosystem of, of different places, right? You need you need the churches there. You need the business community there. You need the nonprofits. You need healthcare. You need all of this in order to lift up the community. And I think that's uh, very important. We're proud to be part of that, part of that ecosystem that helps the city of Santana and, and the county of Orange in general. So for people listening for the first time, if they wanted a volunteer, how do they find you? Where do they go? What do you advise? Well, they, they can call us. You know, that's the, that's the first thing uh, to do. Just contact us. Uh, we have an amazing team that take care of the volunteers. We have uh, our staff, Brenda Cervantes. Uh, she is uh, the volunteer co coordinator, and she does this amazing job there. So you can call our call center, and then we can bring you. You can do a tour. We can, you can learn more about what we do. Because saying it in a podcast and, and, and sharing it is not the same as seeing it and see everything in action. So we have a number you can call. I don't know if you want me to give the number. Sure, if you have uh, a number, please share yeah, it. It is 714-805-7838. And we will share this later on, on social media when, when we share this wonderful podcast. That, yes, that you have. and what's the website too, if you don't mind sharing that? Yeah, it is www.latinohealthaccess.org. Dot .org. Yeah. It's very important. latinohealthaccess.org. Yes. I think that's important too because maybe somebody listening here or watching the show, there could be a, an opportunity where maybe you don't need the services, but like in my case, you know, when my mother-in-law told my wife, "Hey, the neighbors could sure use these services." Yes. You never know who in your community, you know, obviously let's be vigilant, let's be eyes and ears and see who in the community could really benefit right from these services and maybe going to the website is a great place to find all the services that yes. you provide and like that one can share them with with neighbors of friends and family right correct you know go go on the website go on our social media you know every week we have this event it's called platicando con promotores where it's on thursday afternoons and people can really talk directly to the community health workers and the promotors about, about different topics. That, this is online or in person? It is on Facebook. In uh, Facebook? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Platicando con los Promotores. Yes. Wow, on Facebook. So there's a whole page on this. There is, yeah. It's on, on our Facebook page, and then you can join. We put uh, every, every week we announce what's the topic and what we're going to be talking about. Interesting. Do you feel that you find a lot of good feedback there? Oh, yes, we do. We do. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful place to talk to the community virtually, you know, that's one of the advantages of being able to, to do these things that are very interactive. And, and after that, people, some people fell in love with that uh, and then just come and volunteer or, or help us. What are some of the challenges you're hearing right now in the community that you feel we could help you with or the community could help you with that, that you're seeing maybe on this Facebook promotores that yes. you're hearing out there? You know, many times what happens is that people don't know where to go for help. And, okay. and many times underserved communities, uh, they don't understand. You know, we, we 
I was in healthcare and we speak on this jargon and we use all these acronyms and uh, and people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the challenges. You know, they might know that they might be eligible for medical, mm-hmm. but they don't know where to apply. They don't know who to contact. They don't know any of this. Mm-hmm. And that's where we that's one of our challenges, but at the same time it's one of our opportunities where we can reach the community and tell John about it and John goes and tells their neighbor about it and their neighbor might have a kid that is having some issues, um, uh, mental health issues, and they don't know who to talk to, so they can come to our youth group. We have seen kids that come to find some help for themselves, and they end up bringing the entire family, because then they see everything that we do, the, the whole the whole health approach that we have, that can help mom, can help dad, can help grandma. Uh, so so that is uh, it is very rewarding. Yeah, I, I gotta say, Having access to information is such a key component in the community. When my father, this is about 13 or 14 years ago, was dying of cancer, my uncle flew down from Mexico. On his way here, he hit his head at the airport. When he arrived, because being the person he was, he just patched it up and got in the airplane. When he arrived that same night, he had a stroke. Next morning, here I am, me and my sister, my family, trying to plan my dad's funeral. Uh, We get a call that uncle so-and-so had the stroke. He's at this hospital. We're running over there, right? And the family, my cousins and his family, they all came from Mexico, felt very lost, very confused. This Mm -hmm. is not where they expected to be. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm sharing the story is because first Paul says we always should share stories because stories is what the podcast is about. But second of all, for the first time in my life, I walked into a place where I saw my own family members very lost and very confused, right? And thankfully, because I'm in healthcare, we've been in it 25 years with my wife and my sister, we were able to share information, right, with my family that don't worry, it's all good, let's figure this out. Social worker came in, we talked to her, and they were able to get my uncle like emergency medical, right? And so we talked about these things, but I can imagine families that don't have that, yes. that don't have that information, that don't have those resources. You know, you feel lost, you feel confused. Yes. This is not what my uncle and my cousins who are from Mexico, lived all their lives in Mexico, had planned for. This was just a freak accident, right? Yeah. And so I can imagine that's what some of these families go through. Yeah, that's correct. And, and, and you imagine, you know, when you have the, uh, the opportunity to plan it, it's very different than mm-hmm. when it just happens. Mm-hmm. The stress involved when, when tragedy happened and you don't know what to do, you have like double stress, right? Mm-hmm. You, uh, you have the stress that you lost someone or someone is very sick, plus you have the stress that I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So organizations like Latino Health Access are there in the community to, to kind of like bring that together mm-hmm. and, and being with the family during those times and help them, help navigate the system. The healthcare system in, in, in the United States is very complicated. Mm-hmm. And, and it's always evolving and always changing, right? Yes, yes. So the fact that you're able to update and let people know this is the new program or the new services, I think that's great. Yes. Yeah. We're we're proud. We're proud to do that, and we're we're happy that we are able to provide all the services out in the community. And we are very thankful from people like you know. I want to repeat it, like like the chamber and the local businesses and and other organizations, other nonprofits, where we work together and in coalition to solve those issues in the community. Because we might not be expert in a topic, but we always know someone who will be able to help you on that. Well. I want to thank you for being on our show today, Edwin. I know time goes by fast. Uh, Paul's giving me the look already. We're up, right? Um, Did you have a question, Paul? I just think there are too many people that don't know how the world works. And because of that, 
They don't get health care. They don't get benefits they deserve. Veterans, people in underserved communities, people in all communities. People come in here all the time and tell me about things. I say, I didn't know that. Here's a resource to go find out. Yes, great resource. Yeah, thank you, Paul. It's in the heart of Santana. And we thank you. I know you service all of Orange County, right? Yes, we do. I think that's important for people to know that it's not just Santana, it's all of Orange County. Yeah, and it's not only Latino. Our mm -hmm. name is Latino Health Access because that's the way we started. Wow. We serve everybody. You know, we've seen a lot of people in the Vietnamese community coming to Santana to the food bank and to the services that we offer. So and Santana is like a melting pot, as we know. There's so many cultures, so many people. We get the same thing. A lot of people are like, do you have to be Hispanic to join the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce? And we're like, no, no, no. Anybody can join. We have people of all colors and all types, right? But it's just, at the end of the day, we're serving our community. And thank you so much. Yes, Paul? Because it's our community. That's right. Which is our <laughs> show. Exactly. Here, our community podcast show. Folks, please go to the website. You know, Edwin gave the number earlier, 714-805-7838. Uh, please call them. Find those resources for your friends, for your family, neighbors. What a beautiful organization helping the community. Thank you, Edwin. Thank your staff uh, and all the volunteers and, of course, all the hardworking people in your organization. Thank you all for what you do. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us and letting us share a little bit of what we do. All right, Paul, we're done here. Take it away, folks. We'll see you next week. Wow. Well, there you go. Another reason to tune in each and every time to meet our community, the Hispanic business community here in Orange County, powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio. Streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. 